SOS Radio On Demand. It changed my heart. On Demand. It changes your life. Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. We're talking with New York Times bestselling author Eric McTaxis today at SOS Radio. How are you? Scott, I got to tell you, by God's grace, I'm fine. I'm glad to be on your program talking to your listeners. And I am, it sounds like I'm blowing smoke as an author, but I am, I've literally never been as excited about a book as I am about, about the book we're going to talk about today. I'll tell you why, but I guess that means I'm doing well. So thank you. <laughs> now, back in the 1960s, Time Magazine had this infamous cover. Bowley says, is God dead, right? And it seems like that picture sort of resurfaces every 10 years or so, like it's a new thought that someone came up with for the first time. And it's funny because yeah. like, we look at all these claims about God, and we look at all these claims about the human existence, but it's kind of funny because as science and technology and even logic and reasoning, and we flesh out our faith and understand this God that we have as a creator, it's funny that a lot of the big questions that we've been asking about human existence are actually pretty outdated. (laughs) This is headline news, and it's going to be tough for some people even to believe what I'm saying because they're going to think, why haven't I heard this? And that's kind of why I wrote the book, because that was my response. I said, look, since 1966, you've had this theme, is God dead? We live in a secular world. Science is pushing faith out. You keep hearing that, whether you're a person of faith or not. And what I discovered, it's a shocking thing to realize not only is that not true, but literally the opposite is true. And then you got to ask yourself, well, if science is pointing to God, why haven't I heard about it? And I really think it's complicated, but the simple answer is since about 1966, when Time Magazine published that article, it's kind of like the culture sort of decided we got that one. We figured it out. Religion's on its way out. Science is is taking over and is pushing God out. Religion is on its way out. You hear this over and over and over. Well, I'm here to tell you God played a big trick on everybody because he allowed us to move along in history. So we create this thing called science. At some point, we get so cocky that we act like, oh, science is pushing God out. But The more science discovered since about 1966, the more science points to the idea that there is not a ghost of a chance that the universe, life itself on this planet, that any of these things came into being without a creator. That's what science is saying. And so a lot of people can't even believe this because they bought the idea that science is at odds with faith. Faith is at odds with science. If you're an atheist, you're all about reason and rationality. And I got to tell you, not only is that not true, but the opposite is true. And I wrote this book because a couple of pieces of this kind of information came to me in the last couple of years. And I was so overwhelmed. I said, nobody knows these pieces of information. I have to write a book and I got to put in all the other information that I have discovered and read in other books over the years because a lot of people serious Christians simply are not aware of this. And when you're aware of it, I promise you, it will blow your mind. You're going to say, I can't believe that I bought some of this. Even though I'm a Christian, I kind of bought into some of this kind of theme, overarching theme in the culture. And it is worse than nonsense. It's the opposite of what is true. I think some people are going to be shocked. And I think a lot of non-believers are going to be particularly shocked. 
We're talking with Eric Metaxas today at SOS Radio. And Eric, we've all heard like the theories of like, how did the universe begin? Is it the Big Bang Theory? Is it something random? You know, and you go through and you start researching all these things. And we look at the scientific method. We're looking for patterns that keep replicating themselves. And essentially, that's kind of what we've done with science, right? We've come to this place where it's like, well, if this can repeat itself mathematically and continually, we can trust it. But if there's any room for an intervention by God, people want to say, oh, well, that's not science. But actually, Christians were the ones that came up with the idea of actually studying all this originally. There's so much information here. We'll never get it because what you just said right there, we've been given this lie that since about 1859, Darwin writes Origin of Species. So a lot of the elites bought into this idea that we can now have everything without God. And then you get Freud and then you get it goes on and on. And it began to shift in, let's say, the 1920s when a few people realized it looks like the universe is expanding. It looks like the universe was created out of nothing, which scared the heck out of atheist scientists because they said, this is not good. We want to believe the universe always existed. So that was the first piece. But the basic idea kept going in the culture till we all came to believe Science is the enemy of faith. Faith is the enemy of reason and science. And I learned that not only did that shift so that science is now pointing to God, but it's even crazier. It turns out that science itself was created by Christians. That's not an exaggeration. I write about it in the book that in the 16th and 17th centuries, what we call the scientific revolution that exploded the world of science, modern science, all came out of Western Christendom in those centuries. And there's reasons for that. And I write about that. So you got to think to yourself, this is really funny. The people who claim that science is the enemy of faith don't even realize that we wouldn't even have science if it weren't for Christian faith. And again, there's many reasons for that, but we need to know our history. We need to know that the people who created the world of science, all of them were profound Christians. Galileo, We act like he was some secular thinker, some scientist up against the church. Nonsense. He was an absolutely devout Christian, never dreamt that anybody would have a problem with him discovering what he discovered. He just figured we all know truth is truth, scientific truth, biblical truth. It's a fascinating story, and we need to relearn the true story that science is not only compatible with faith, but it's Christian faith that gave us science. And science is now, in the last few decades, dramatically giving us evidence of God, the idea that the universe could not have come into being randomly, this planet could not have come into being randomly, life on this planet could not have come into existence randomly in the prebiotic soup four billion years ago. All of this evidence is kind of recent. And I think it's going to like mess with some people's minds because a lot of people haven't written about this, or maybe just a few scientists have written about it. But This is like big news for everybody. You know, I'm excited about it. And when I discovered the archaeological piece, the discovery of biblical Sodom, I said, all the evidence, science, science, and then archaeology, it's overwhelming. Somebody needs to put it in a book. And of course, I thought to myself, if everybody was asking the question, is God dead? Now the question really has to be, is atheism dead? So that's why I gave it the title. 
You know, it's really interesting because in recent years, there's been a lot of archaeological evidence that's showing about this city of Sodom that's written all about in the Old Testament of the Bible. I mean, when you dig into all of this, Eric, what did you notice? Well, you notice many things. First of all, you notice that if you trust the Bible, you cannot go wrong. Every single time there's a new archaeological discovery, it corroborates the Bible as history. And you think, for sure, a hundred years ago, people were thinking, well, the more we discover, the more we're going to know the Bible is a bunch of nonsense. So fairly recently, I met a man in Albuquerque, Stephen Collins, an archaeologist who discovered biblical Sodom. And at first I was really skeptical. I thought, you know, people talk about that, that, yeah, this is biblical Sodom. This is Noah's Ark. This is... I really looked into it and the details are astonishing details. There's no question. This is not like we think he discovered. He discovered it. 1700 BC. We're talking the first couple of pages of the Bible. This is like as ancient as it gets. He discovered it. 21 scientists wrote a peer-reviewed article. It was published in Nature magazine about six weeks ago. Basically, not, not basically, literally referring to the biblical account of Sodom in this peer-reviewed ultra-scientific paper saying that what we've discovered is exactly what was described. Now, they're not going to say we believe that the Bible is true, but the point is that even they couldn't get around the fact that it is so exactly the same thing as described. But there's way more. I put it in my book because I said people need to know we're not blowing smoke. This is real. When I got that piece of information, plus the information I got from a science friend, Dr. James Tour, about how life started four billion years ago. I thought, nobody I talk to knows about this. I have got to publicize this. I need to put it in a book. I need to put it in a book with a lot of other evidence from archaeology and from science, which I've stumbled over the last number of years. I said, a lot of people just have never even heard of this. The world needs to know. It's a new day. And as I said, it's going to upset some people because I basically say science now proves that there's some kind of a God. You can't say what kind of a God. You can't say it's Jesus. or, But if you want to pretend that the universe came into being through random processes, that this planet, that life just came into being randomly, you've now got to be kidding yourself. Like, let's be honest. You can <laughs> say you're an agnostic. Yeah. But you can't be an intellectually satisfied atheist. You know, it's interesting when you dig into the story of Sodom in Genesis 19, there are tons of detail that the Bible tells about specifically what happened from even the story of Lot till the city being destroyed and then his wife turning into a pillar of salt from looking back. I mean, but what did the archaeologists discover about what actually happened to the ancient city of Sodom? First of all, Stephen Collins said, I believe what the Bible says is true. So he said the people... Even good biblical archaeologists who believe the Bible, they were pointing at these other places, and he said that there's dating problems. And by the way, he says, that's not even where the Bible says Sodom would be if it existed, if we could discover it. So he looks in those places. It takes him years. He finds a place. He says, I think this must be it, ancient city. He starts to excavate, never been excavated. At the level of 1700 BC, he discovers a layer of soot and ash, which was just unprecedented. Nobody had ever seen this kind of destruction. It couldn't be a fire. It couldn't be an earthquake. couldn't be a volcano. Nobody could make any sense of it. Within this ash layer, he finds a piece of pottery that he knows instantly is from 1700 BC. Like he knows this stuff. That's his field. And he flips it over and he sees it as a green glassy glaze on it. 
And he says, well, now we got a problem because that technology was not invented to like 750 AD, 24 centuries after. What could account for this? So he takes it to a lab in New Mexico and they say, there's only one thing that account for this. This pottery was melted by heat of about 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit for about 20 seconds. It would have been a short period of time, about 20 seconds. And they did more research and more stuff. And the scientists said there's only one thing that account for this kind of heat in this kind of a place. It's what they call a cosmic airburst event. That means a meteor, not a big meteor, maybe 180 feet in diameter, coming through into the atmosphere at about 35,000 miles an hour, exploding about five feet above the surface of the area. And the initial explosion, they say, would have been the equivalent of 1,000 Hiroshima bombs. Wow. So you try to start thinking about, you want to talk about God's judgment? You want to talk about vaporizing a city? Vaporizing a city. They say 12-foot thick brick walls were vanished in a millisecond, like stuff that you can't even imagine. And the only reason they know this is because the same thing happened in a place called Tunguska, Siberia in 1908, where a meteor came in and it flattened 80 million trees in a second, like just that kind of explosion. And they say this is almost exactly, that's the only thing that could account for it. It goes on and on and on. They found bits of melted brick. They found tiny pieces of human bone. I mean, it's just one of these things that this is what science is telling us happened 1700 BC in the exact spot where the Bible tells us this is what happened. Fire out of the sky. I mean, (laughs) who's making this up? It's like, if you want to say the Bible is a collection of folktales, the evidence against you becomes so overwhelming. This is just the kind of the last big piece, but like almost every month they're finding stuff that you just, you almost can't believe it. And then you realize this is science. This is what science is telling us in our time. You know, it's so fascinating when you study science and and culture wants to tell us science and faith are incompatible. We're talking with Eric McTaxis today at SWS Radio. Science is basically like the study of patterns and things that are consistently replicated, right? Like things that replicate themselves. It's the study of things that are constant. But when we see disruptions in patterns, that's where we got to start scratching our head. And all throughout the Bible, you see these things where, yeah, there's consistent things that are happening with people groups, and then God disrupts something like with a flood or with an army, or he makes the sun stand still for a day so that the Israelites could win this battle. There are a lot of different things. I mean, you look at the story of Elijah, you look at the story of so many of the early fathers in the Old Testament of the Bible, the patriarchs, and it's wild. And what's so funny, when we look at science today, I think we forget that what's taught in our schools is the part that's replicated. You know, we can replicate this, we see it, and that's what we trust because we can replicate it. And as we've leaned more into mathematics, which I love, it's doing a lot of the same thing and it reinforces that. But we haven't really realized that that's what's happening. And essentially, it's this idea of naturalism that's just become like the belief or the truth that people want to base things on that if we can track it, 
by all natural means, it's good and it's trackable and we can figure it out. But if there's any sort of intervention from any sort of, you know, any sort of force in the spot that disrupts it, we have a problem. Or if there was something that started it intentionally, we have a problem. And so when we try to fit God into science, we have a problem, don't we? Well, I got to tell you, it's so funny because nobody ever had a problem until whatever, the last hundred years, suddenly science grew beyond the boundaries of science into this philosophy of naturalism. You just said it. And so whoever said that science had to account for everything? Well, this is what the atheists say, the new atheists, and it's preposterous. It's like saying, I'm a baker, and if there's something that's not baked, it's not food. You'd be like, listen, that's called an opinion, and you're kind of weird to even say that. So when you say no knowledge can exist outside of science, out of the naturalistic thing, that's garbage. Since the beginning of time, every culture has believed that there's something beyond, that there's something called love, there's something called wisdom, there's something called... That's not science. So let's put science where it belongs. And this all started, Scott, I got to say, the, the first part of my book is about science. Then I go into archaeology. Then I go into atheism itself. But in the first part of the book, when I'm talking about science, the first part of, of that is about the Big Bang. And I want to tell you, we forget how upset atheist scientists were as the evidence for the Big Bang came out. We forget. It was an evidence of what they call a singularity. In other words, imagine you're a scientist and you say, hey, I believe in science. I believe in second law of thermodynamics. We cannot create matter, cannot create energy. That's just, those are the laws of physics. And then you discover that science leads you to believe that 13.8 billion years ago, all matter, energy, time came out of nothing in a moment. That's what science says happened. So science points beyond science to a time when there were no laws of physics, there was nothing. That really messed with scientists. I have to tell you, like I forgot, and as I did the research, Einstein was the first one to get totally rattled by his equations were pointing to the idea of an expanding universe. And even the great Einstein was so insecure that he kind of tried to fudge his stuff. But the evidence kept coming out, coming out. Even into the 60s, you had people insisting, no, 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 the universe was always here. And we're going to prove it. But eventually, the information proved the Big Bang. But then it gets weirder is that then you realize, okay, if we had a singularity at one time in the world, there was a singularity where all the laws of physics go out the window. Why couldn't we have another one? And then they discovered, oh, yeah, there have been other ones. It's called black holes. They discovered that it's the, the Big Bang in reverse, that something gets crushed down by gravity until it crushes itself out of existence and your mind is blown. You say, that's not science, that's science fiction. Science itself is pointing us to what I would call the transcendent, to these places where physical science, the natural world, we cannot go there. So the reason the book is titled Is Atheism Dead is that that philosophy is dead. We have to be honest. We have to say that the Big Bang, the idea that life came into being randomly through sloshing around 4 billion years ago. That's, I mean, that's one of the reasons I started to write the book was because James Tour, who explained this to me, who's a nanoscientist in Houston. And then of course the fine tuned universe, the evidence piles up and up and up and up and up. And you start saying, you know what? Science is amazing, but if it does anything, it points to God. It doesn't point away from God. And we need to know, we just need to know this because your faith changes when you realize 
There's no question. My faith is ultra rational. And saying there is no God, that now has become irrational. So let's be honest about it. You want to be an agnostic? Good. But don't say you're an atheist because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe that God exists. It's like, okay. <laughs> you got, you got, like, There's so much evidence for a creator that you can't deny that is intellectually stupid. <laughs> you know, and it's funny too, because I, I didn't really plan to title the book as Atheism Dead originally, but I thought it's almost like a shift, like since 1966, where everybody was like, okay, science has proved that God is out of the picture. And while we've been kind of buying into that idea and ignoring a lot of the evidence or just, you know, just not looking at it, it has piled up. And when I really understood some of this stuff, this was like less than two years ago, I said, it is now time to ask the question, is atheism dead? Like it's a paradigm shift. And I think it's going to give a shot in the arm to a lot of believers to say, you know what? I even bought into this in a weird way. I, I put my faith in a box and it's not, it's, it's not, it, it touches everything. It touches the scientific world, archaeology, history, everything. So, you know, I'm, I'm, you could tell I'm excited to kind of get this out there. And I also know that believers are going to think of people, you don't have to think of an atheist, just think of somebody who doesn't have your faith and say to them, listen, there's new scientific discoveries, there's archaeology. It's actually fascinating. It is fascinating. What do you make of it? You know, and let them make their own decision rather than try to sh shove your face down their throat, because it's the facts that point us to God and then the Holy Spirit. So we want to pray for our friends, but just let, let them see what science has uncovered while we've all been kind of sleeping in the secular world. Thanks for downloading the SOS Radio podcast. If you enjoy the discussion and want to help the podcast grow, you can make a $10 donation through sosradio.net or inside the SOS Radio app. Thanks for your generosity. It helps us experiment with new things and keep the discussions fresh.